excuses of why they can't be a Christian, of why they can't believe in Jesus, of why they can't come to church, of why they can't do this, that, and the other. Excuse me. Last week we covered several of them. I'll run back through them very briefly and then we'll move on tonight. The first one we often see is not today. Well, we have to understand that whenever we're trying to tell someone about Jesus and, and tell someone that they need Christ in order to go to heaven, that they're going to die lost, and they say, well, I can do it tomorrow. We have to make sure that they understand there may not be a tomorrow. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. The second excuse we see is that, well, I'm too late in life. The Bible says whosoever will. And that's it. That's, that's whosoever, and that's whensoever. Uh, the, the Christ don't say that you can only come as a kid. Christ don't say you can only come as an adult. It, it all comes back to uh, that, that whosoever will. We read about in John 3 and 16. And the third one was, well, there's, there's too much unknown about God. God didn't say we had to understand it. God didn't say you had to wrap your mind around it. God didn't say you had to have all of the answers. God said that you had to believe. And that is it. That is the extent of it. That is what we have to do as Christians. We have to believe as a lost person. You have to believe. And then the last one, and we're going to hit on this one just a little bit more tonight, is I don't need a Savior. I've been going to church all my life. I'm good enough. Well, people that go to church all their lives, they're still going to go to hell. They don't believe in Jesus. Well, I got baptized. People that's been baptized are still going to go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. Well, I read my Bible all the time. Well, I've memorized the Bible. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. Everybody needs a Savior. And we're going to look at that tonight in verse number 18 in John in chapter 3. Jesus said, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. Saved forever. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that believeth not is condemned already. And that falls into every single person who says, well, I don't need Jesus. Well, I don't need to believe in Jesus. Well, that means you are already condemned. You're already on the road to hell. You don't have a choice in that matter. I didn't have a choice in whether or not I'm a sinner. And we don't have a choice of whether or not we begin this life upon the, the realization of our sin, upon the conviction of our sin. We begin our walk toward hell. And the only thing that can turn us around is, is Jesus Christ and our faith and trust in him. And so, I've seen a church sign, and I, I'm always looking for church signs everywhere I go, and, and they're really neat. If you had not seen the one at Pine First Baptist this week, drive by there, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, but one that I saw a week or two ago, I don't remember exactly where it was at, but it said, people telling me that they don't need church to be a Christian. They're right. I don't need a parachute to jump out of an airplane, but it sure does help. Part of being a Christian is, is coming to church. Part of being a Christian is discipling others. Part of being a Christian is being baptized into the church. Part of being a Christian is reading our Bible. And so tonight we're going to continue on those excuses that other people give. And, and the next one that we hear often, and even in the, the short time that, that I've been preaching, I've heard this excuse is that, that God is love. God wouldn't send me to hell. Because whenever you flip on the TV, if them people want you to send them money, what are they going to tell you? That God loves you. God cares for you. God is going to fight your battles. God is going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about anything. God is in control. He is. That is 100% accurate. But a charismatic person believes in half of God. A, a person that person that believes that there is no danger in remaining lost, 
a person that believes that there is no danger in a sinful life, a person that believes that, that God is love and not wrath, believes in half of a God. If you, if you don't believe that God is wrathful, go, go check out the Old Testament. God did some amazing things. And whenever I say amazing, I mean it's, it's hard for me to comprehend because they were so, I'm going to use the word horrific. They were absolutely horrific. The plagues that he sent on Egypt. The things that, that he punished the children of Israel with. He sent serpents into their camp because they were griping and complaining and fussing and throwing hissy fits. So he sent snakes into their camp. And he offered them a way out, but if they didn't, they died. That was it. That's a wrathful God. That's a God that whenever his people turned their back on him, he poured out his wrath on them. We see throughout the Old Testament that God poured out his wrath on the enemies of Israel, on those that stood against him. We read Sunday about the man, the servant of the man of God. He walked out of his army, he walked out of his camp, and he saw the armies surrounding him. And Elisha prayed said, open his eyes. He walked out again. He saw the armies of God. And the armies of God overtook him. We see over and over again, and, and even whenever Moses parted the Red Sea, what happened to the, to the Egyptians? God didn't let them escape. He killed them all. He closed up the Red Sea and swallowed them. The same thing to the man who threw the three Hebrew children into the fiery furnace. He took them. The man who conspired against Daniel they threw them and his family into the lion's den. We serve a, a loving God. We serve a merciful God. But we serve a just and a wrathful God as well. If we think that we're gonna that we're gonna get through life and we're gonna get away with it, God will forgive our sin. But we're still gonna pay for it. As a lost person, whenever they say God is love. We say, you're right. God is the most loving, kind, long-suffering of anything and anybody that I've ever known. But that's half of God. In, in, in the Bible and, and even in nature, we see that, that God is not just a loving God, but God is a wrathful God. Matthew 22 and 13 said that that they would be cast into the outer darkness. Let's flip, let's flip over and read it. Let's go to Luke in chapter 13. Book of Luke in chapter 13. If you would, keep your Bibles open. We're going to do some flip-flopping. Verse number 1, they were present when... There were present... At that season, some that told him the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering them said unto them, Suppose ye that the Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things. Said, so do you think these people were, were just awful, terrible people because they suffered these things? He said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you also likewise shall perish. You think they had it bad, you're going to have it bad too unless you repent. The most upright person in this world can go to hell if they don't repent. The most awful person in this world will go to hell if they don't repent. God is not only a loving God, He is not only a wrathful God, but He is a just God. 
He gives everybody an opportunity. Everybody has an opportunity to come to Jesus. And, and some he's some he's a little bit more merciful with. But God gives everyone an opportunity to trust in Jesus. Jesus said, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Let's flip over to the book of 2 Peter, if you would. Like I said last week, if you if you don't follow along, don't write this down, and you would like these scriptures to be able to, to keep in your Bible, to be able to go to, to be able to study on, uh, I, I have them written down, I can get you a copy. Book of 2 Peter, chapter number 2. We think God is going to be good to us because we've lived a good life. If you die without Christ, you're going to hell. God is, and Jesus said it. He said, you likewise shall perish. The Bible says that God is no respecter of person. He pours out rain on the just and the unjust. He pours out his wrath on the just and the unjust whenever they mess up. He pours out his judgment. The wrath, uh, excuse me, the judgment of God will come unto the just and the unjust, to the saved and the lost. We'll be judged, period. But the judgment that we want to make sure that we have straight is that white throne judgment we talked about Sunday morning. That our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them in the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah and eight person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the earth of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them in sample unto you, excuse me, unto those that should live ungodly. And delivered just like vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked. Skip down to verse number nine. For the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve judgment. Excuse me, to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. That unjust is, is not those who kill and steal and cheat. Granted, they may be unjust people, but they can still get saved. Those unjust or the disobedient. Those who God said believe on my son and they won't believe on his son. Those unjust are unbelievers. The Bible says that God spared not the angels. If he wouldn't spare the angels, the eternal beings that were in heaven with him, period. He wouldn't spare them. Why do we think he'll spare us? Why do we think we're better? Why do we think we deserve better? Why do we think God is gonna, gonna just love us and be with us and we think all of this, and yet Peter says he reserves the unjust to the day of judgment. If someone tries to use the excuse that that God is love, that there is no danger, that there is no wrath, that there's nothing going to happen if 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 I just live. All right, if I just try to take care of myself, they're going to go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. Next excuse that we often hear, and it's a big one. You ever heard the phrase, you can't spell church without hypocrite? Because out in the world, you hear that phrase. You can't spell church without hypocrite. And it's, it's pretty much true. A lot of people get turned off to church because they're hypocrites in there. Jesus came to his disciples. 
He was just telling Peter, just I mean, just going at him. Peter, here's what you got to do. Peter looked over and said, what about him? Jesus said, what is it to you if he tarries till I come back? If we allow other people that talk out of the side of their mouth, if we allow one people, other people who are a little bit two-faced, if we allow other people to get between us and God, then we are putting those people on the same level as God. We're, we're idolizing those people if we allow them to put a wedge between us and God. If you allow someone... Who's a church member? To hinder you, and, and we're using this as a witness. If you allow someone that is a church member to hinder you from believing in Jesus, that person didn't send you to hell. Your idea of that person sent you to hell. It was still your decision. It was still your choice. As church members, we have to be very careful not to be that false witness, not to be that hypocrite, not to be that person who steers someone away from Jesus because there are a lot of people out there. There are a lot of church members out there that are one person in church and another person down the road at their house who are saints and deacons in church, preachers and pastors in church, and cuss out their kids right down the road. Show up in the barroom on Friday night. Those people are a hindrance to the witness of Christ. But as a lost person, if they say, well, if those hypocrites are going to heaven, God's not a respecter of person. Your salvation don't depend on others. If your salvation depended on me, I'd save you right now. If I could pray you into heaven, they wouldn't be a lost person among us. They wouldn't be a lost person anywhere near. If your family could pray you into heaven, if we could baptize you and guarantee you that you're going to heaven, we'd baptize everybody. That, that bathtub would be full every Sunday. I'd fill the back of my truck bed up with water and we'd just go around grabbing people and ducking them. In college, we used to abduct calves. We'd pull up to them in the truck and we'd throw a rope over them. We'd pick them up in the back of the truck and we'd drive away. And the mama would chase us. But we'd, we'd tag the calf and give her the shots and everything in the back of the truck. And that way the, the mama couldn't you know, run over us while there was bad calves in the back of the truck. And if we could save people by grabbing them, by kidnapping them, by dunking them in the water, by giving them a shot, they wouldn't be a lost person around. But that ain't the way people get saved. That ain't the way we're able to help people. We're able to help people by the light that is in our life, by the witness that we have. And yet so many times people look out at church people and they say, these church people are hypocrites. These church people don't practice what they preach. These church people say that God is important, but, 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 but Sunday morning they was at the golf course. They, they go to church once a month and they say that God is important. Job said that all hypocrites shall perish. That word perish there kind of goes hand in hand with the Old Testament word judgment. All hypocrites will be judged. All hypocrites shall suffer from the consequences of their actions. And that's church people, that's lost people, that's everybody. At times in our life, we, we can find ourselves being hypocrite. It's easy. We can find ourselves being one person at church and another person out in the world. And the hardest thing about it as a Christian is coming to the point that, that you recognize that in yourself. That I recognize that in myself and, and I, I ask God to help me to change it. And at that point, we can then get past. You can't spell church without hypocrite. We can get past that and we can go out into this world and we can be the light. We can be the salt of the earth. We can be the witness that Jesus calls us to be. Matthew chapter 7. 
It says, Judge not. Flip over if you would to Romans in chapter number 14. Matthew 7 says, Judge not, that you be not judged. We are to be concerned with other people. Proverbs says a good name is better to be chosen, right? Than great riches. I want people to think more of my name than how much money I got in the bank. But we come like we cannot allow those people to come between us and God. Romans chapter number 14, verse number 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. We're working on starting a Bible club at Varnado. Tried last year and the COVID kind of set us back, but we're working on it again this year. And we have a few kids that are interested. I had one kid in my class asked him if he goes to church. He said, no. Why don't you go to church? He said, all them people up there are just bad people. I said, what do you mean bad people? He commenced to tell me. He said, here's what the preacher does. The deacon grows more weed than I do. All right. That's a church clerk. I took him to this verse. I said, do you believe in the Bible? He said, yeah, I used to read the Bible before I quit going to church. I said, you won't give an account of what the preacher does. You won't give an account of what the deacon does. You won't give an account of what any person in that church does. You'll give an account of what you do. You'll give an account of your actions, of your non-reactions. You'll give an account of your decisions, of your indecisions. You'll give an account of how many times you decided not to go to church. How many times you decided not to read your Bible. How many times you decided not to pray to God. You'll give an account of every opportunity you had to help people. You'll give an account of only yourself. My life, my, my rewards, my consequences is not based on you and yours isn't based on mine. We're based on each other. So if someone tries to say, well, there are too many people in church. Well, I'm better than these people. Well, these people are the worst. I'm not saying that every person can go to every church. Because there are some churches that they just aren't home. And you understand it. Most of you in here has at least been to, visited a couple other churches. Churches are different. People are different. And sometimes people are hard to get along with. But church people are supposed to be of one accord on the things of God. And joining up with a true church is the responsibility of those that are saved. And following that, we are judged of our own actions. We give an account of our own self. Flip over, if you would, to Mark in chapter number 8. Book of Mark in chapter number 8. The next excuse that we find that people use and we're winding down toward the end of it is, is this whole church thing is going to cost me too much. Period. It's going to cost me too much money because 10% is a lot. And these people's always asking for money for something. It's going to cost me too much time. Three hours on Sunday, an hour on a Wednesday night. I got school and I got work, but I stayed up to midnight and watched the basketball game. I got up at 4 a.m. and went fishing. I'm not even going to tell you how much money the boat cost, all the golf clubs, all the fishing poles, all the shotgun. Has anybody ever added up how much money you spend on deer hunting per year? <laughs> yeah, it is awful. It is absolutely terrible. If we add it up, and if you've never done it, Jeff Foxworthy did it for you. He added up exactly how much money he spent on deer hunting every single year. And he came to the conclusion 
that he was giving his wife the best possible food that he could because that, that deer, when it came back to him and he put it in his freezer, was approximately $67 per pound. He took care of his wife. $67 per pound. By the time you figure in your, your time and your corn and your foilers and deer stands and, and the scope and the gun, you got to get a new scope every year, especially since you missed a deer last year. And it's just on and on and on and on, but we won't spend money on the kids in church. We, we, we won't. I don't want to give to the church. I don't want to help the church with the pews. I don't want to help the church with the books. I don't want to help the church with the cutting grass. I don't want to help the church with this. I don't want to help the church with that. I don't want to tithe. I don't want to do. I don't. It costs me too much. Because your priority ain't there. I'm not going to begin to talk about how much money we waste in snacks every year. If I had a dollar. And I did have a dollar. I spent it on Little Debbie cake. We waste a lot of money. Little Debbie. Our hostess. Little hostess donuts. Ooh. They had Texaco. And they had one up at Ruston when I was up there. The Texaco at Varnado has a biscuit. It's called the Dagwood. They named it for me. It's that tall. It's heart attack wrapped in tinfoil. It's a slice of biscuit on bottom and then a pork chop and then a sausage and then an egg and then a of chicken. And then you pile grits on top and a little bit of hot sauce and you put the other biscuit on there and you stamp it down. And when I was in Ruston, they had a Dagwood up there too. And it was everything but the grits. And they stack it on top and squish it down. And if you could get your whole mouth around it, then you were good. It's $2. When I was in college, I ate one every other day for three years. They were stupendous. I have chest pain sometimes, but they were stupendous. That was a priority to us working on the farm. Whenever we got up to go feed, the gas station was on the way to Grambling where we had to go feed at, and we stopped and got us a biscuit. That was a priority. So we didn't see spending $2 every other morning of the week as a bad thing. However, whenever it comes to spending a little bit of money on Bible school or helping the kids do something or, or tithing or giving to a special offering, a love offering, then we, we often see it as difficult. So whenever someone tries to use an excuse, well, it cost me too much. Well, let's not talk about how much money we waste. It's going to make everybody feel bad every time. Because we don't want to talk about cigarettes and we don't want to talk about scold. We don't want to talk about Little Debbie's or sausage and biscuits. We don't want to talk about the, the hobbies that we waste money on. And if somebody says, well, you waste a lot of time, how many times have we sat in the deer stand and not seen nothing? Just waste time. Sit on a lake and not catch a fish. Or sit in front of a TV as our brain cells just go plop, 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 plop. Just wasting time, doing absolutely nothing. And yet we can't spend time with God. We can't spend time in the Bible. It costs me too much. Mark chapter number 8, verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his, lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What is worth more than your soul? That's what people have to understand. What is worth more than your soul? What is worth more than eternity? If you drew a number line from here to New Orleans, a timeline, and you put a dot on it, anywhere, just a dot, the size of a, the end of a pencil lid, just boop, that dot would be larger than our lifespan if that number line was eternity. 
our life is nothing in the lens of eternity. It's it's there's nothing there. Uh, whenever you're talking about a, a time that goes on and on and on, a soul that lives forever without end, you're talking about a lifetime. E- even though 80 years may seem very very long to somebody like me, who's only you know a fourth of the way there. It's not that old whenever you start talking to people who are 60, 70, 80, 90. It's not that old anymore. It's, it, it flies by. Kids that I taught in high school are teaching at Varnadale now. Time goes by. Our time on this earth is meant to prepare us for eternity. And so what, what does it profit us if we gain everything? George Strait said, I've never seen a hearse with a luggage rack. Another song says, I've never seen one with a trailer hitch. You can't take it with you. Can't do nothing with it. It's, it's gone. Forever and ever. What we do with Christ is with us forever. Turn over to, if you would, to 1 Peter. Chapter number 2. book of 1 Peter chapter number 2 if we say that serving God cost us too much and we hadn't read our Bible if we say that that living for God if we say that witnessing for God if if someone says that believing in Jesus cost me too much they need to read 1 Peter 2 and 24 let's back up to 23 who when he was talking about Jesus was reviled reviled not again When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to the judgment righteously, who in who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. It cost Jesus everything. In the light of eternity, it was a very, very short time. But it cost Jesus everything. He suffered for us. He went to suffer hell for us on that cross. He bare in his body our sins, our judgment, our punishment. It don't cost us anything. Paul says over and over again, he said, this free gift, this free gift, the gift of God, the gift of salvation (coughs) is of the utmost importance. And if someone says that believing in Jesus is going to cost me too much, let me explain Jesus a little bit better to you. You must not understand what I'm trying to tell you about. I'm trying to tell you about a man that the woman said he told me whatsoever, everything I ever did. He said he gave, he offers forgiveness of sins. Jesus came and made me whole. Jesus came to the demoniac there of Gadara. He came and this man saw him. Jesus set him free. Every person that we try to witness to is in the bondage of sin. They're, they're in chains and they don't even know it. And yet whenever we try to tell them about a man who will set them free, they're okay with it. They're, they're all right with it. They're, they're, just, they're just there. And this man, no doubt, he, he knew what he was doing because whenever he was, was bound up, he'd, he'd break the chains. He'd cut himself. He'd, he'd tortured himself. And yet people are living really nice lives down here and they don't realize that that in the light of eternity, they're killing themselves. 
They're dooming themselves. They are condemning themselves by not believing. And yet the man who will set them free is saying, come, believe, trust in me, and I'll save you. But they don't want to. It's, it's too much trouble. It costs me too much. There are too many hypocrites to say they're going to heaven. Well, I'm bound to be able to go. God is love. He can't send me to hell. God won't. But those who refuse to accept Jesus, Jesus said, He that believeth not is condemned already. And God won't send anybody to hell, but they'll choose to go. Lord willing, we'll continue this study next week on how we are to be a witness in this world. Excuses that people use in the scripture that we can go to, that we can take to. I'm going to say to tell them that they are wrong. That may be a harsh way to put it. Because whenever you try to tell me I'm wrong, I tend to get defensive. So we're not going to tell everybody that they're wrong. We're going to show them what is right. And that is, that is by the word of God. That is in the word of God. And that is the only way that they can see the truth. Well, I have a verse for song.